0: I don't know what you've been doing to keep busy during quarantine. Our family's been doing some jigsaw puzzles. It took about a week and a half, but we finally finished a thousand piece puzzle. It was brutal. There were a lot of pieces that were the same color. There were a lot of pieces that were black, like the night sky. Uh, uh, in the end, we just wanted to get it done. I, I stayed up till about midnight one night just to put that last piece in. Everyone does puzzles a, a little different. I found myself I found myself talking to the pieces. <laughs> I would look for a spot where they might fit, and I would say, where do you go? Where do you go, little piece? Is this your home? Is this where you go? Are you the one? Are you the one that fits here? Now, I know it's a little strange, but let's admit, I did finish the puzzle, after all. Are you the one? That's the question I asked my puzzle piece. Are you the one that fits? Are you the one that I need? It's the same question that John the Baptist asked of Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, John the Baptist sends his students, he sends his friends to go to Jesus and ask the question Are you the one? Are you the promised Messiah? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? Is it worth it for us to put our faith in you? Is it worth it for us to give you our time, our energy, our devotion, our lives, and our love? That was, that was an important question for John to ask. And It's an important question for us to ask as well. Is Jesus really who he says he is? Is he worthy of our devotion? Is he worthy of our faith? Is he worthy of our love? You know, sometimes life feels a bit like a like a jigsaw puzzle. There are pieces scattered everywhere. And we wonder, how do they all fit together? To make matters worse, maybe somebody has misplaced the box top. And so we don't know what the piece, we don't look what the puzzle is gonna look like when we're finally done. And there's nothing wrong with asking some questions in life. There's nothing wrong with asking, how does this piece fit? How does Jesus fit? Here in Luke chapter 7, Jesus invites John's questions but we can't read Luke chapter 7 without realizing that he invites our questions as well. He calls us to take a closer look at who he is. He calls us to see Jesus for exactly who he is. Someone commented the other day we were talking about our online worship and the sermons and somebody commented to me the other day and said I'm learning an awful lot about Luke. You know what? Me too. Luke is a Luke is an excellent writer. It's really hard to screw up preaching Luke, although if you give me enough time, I'm sure I could do it. I don't know how much you know about Luke, the author of this gospel. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, obviously. He also wrote a sequel. He wrote a sequel called The Book of Acts, and Acts appears a little bit later in your New Testament. We know that Luke was a doctor, so he was a professional, and we really get that sense as we read his writing. You get that sense that he's a professional. You also need to realize Luke is not an apostle. He's not one of those early, original disciples, Luke was not born into the faith. He came to faith sometime later, maybe maybe just like you. And so for that reason, Luke calls us to examine the story of Jesus. Luke wants us to hear him. He wants us to know the story of Jesus just as he knows the story of Jesus. Here in chapter 7, he invites us to recap the story So far, we're about a third of the way through the gospel. So he invites us to kind of do a little recap to make sure that we're still focusing on Jesus. Now to do that, he tells us the story of John the Baptist. We, we met John in chapter one. In fact, we encountered John before we encountered Jesus. The, the gospel of Luke begins with John. And we found John later out in the wilderness preaching and baptizing people in the Jordan River, preparing the way for the Lord. John was changing lives and calling people to new commitment to the Lord, calling people to a commitment to commit themselves to God in a way that cared for their neighbors, cared for their friends, even cared for their enemies. That was four chapters ago, though. And John's now in prison, John's in lockdown. A little worse than, quite a bit worse than the lockdown that you and I are in. And he's starting to hear, he's starting to hear stories about Jesus and the things that Jesus has been doing. And John's got one question. Are you the one? Are you the right one? Are you worthy of the investment of our lives, the investment of our time, the investment of our energy and love and and our devotion? John is asking a question that, well, maybe, maybe you might be asking also. Is Jesus really worth it? We begin in Luke chapter 7, verse 18. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, he sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Now in that hour, he, that is Jesus, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Is Jesus the one? Jesus answers by saying, look at what's happening. Look at the results. He says the the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed of leprosy. We, we saw that happen back in chapter 5. He says the death here and the dead are raised. We saw that last week as he raised the son of the widow of Nain. Jesus is saying, I have done everything that was expected of me. I have done everything that I said I would. This might be a question that, that you're asking. Who is Jesus and does it really make a difference? We hear a lot of talk about Jesus. Jesus is someone we talk a lot about. There are a lot of opinions about Jesus. Some of those opinions are good and some of those opinions are bad. There are a lot of feelings about Jesus. Some of those feelings are good. Some of those feelings are are very bad. That's why it's important for us to step back as Luke has had us do here, and recenter the story not on who we feel Jesus might be, not on who we imagine he might be, but on what the Bible says about him, who we can know that he is. That's the test of understanding that Jesus must pass. And once we see Jesus for who he is, then we can find our strength in him. John asks the question, are you the one? And Jesus sends messengers back saying, tell him everything that you have seen. The people are healed. Lives are made whole. People are changed. Hope is restored. The last thing he offers to those messengers is a blessing. He says in verse 23, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus is acknowledging the danger that uh, for us is not on who he is, but but who we might assume he is. If our assumptions don't line up with who Jesus is, we might become offended. We might stumble. We might fall. We might find ourselves a a mess. As an example for us of firm commitment and of, of strong faith, Jesus lifts up his cousin, John the Baptist. He lifts him up as an example of confidence and and strength. In verse 24, Jesus, we, we read, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? John, whose whole mission was built around declaring who Jesus was and that he was coming. John was not a reed shaken by the wind. He, he was not timid. He was not easily bent and easily, easily manipulated. John was firm. He was strong. He was confident in his faith. He goes on and says of John, what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Well, behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury, they're in king's courts. It'd be real easy for me to pick on the flashy dressing TV preachers in their, in their expensive suits here. But, but Jesus' point about John is more that John was not distracted by the things that this world offered him. Those things didn't own him because John allowed his life and his strength to be found in Jesus. When we do that, there's a confidence When we do that, there is a confidence that comes through and there is an unshakable faith. You know, back in the previous chapter, in chapter 6, we read about Jesus' sermon there in chapter 6, the Sermon on the Level Place, we called it, a sermon where everybody is standing on the same footing, everybody is standing on the same ground, no one is above anyone else. It's a sermon for everyone. And Jesus concluded that sermon in Luke chapter 6 with these words, beginning in verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and it could not, shaken. It could not be shaken because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the streams broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. That kind of foundation that doesn't Uh, doesn't come, that that kind of foundation doesn't come with our shifting whims and wants, with our shifting opinions about who Jesus might be. It comes from the strength we gain by making Jesus Christ the foundation of our lives. I have to tell you, I have to tell you, there were a few times when I was working on that thousand-piece puzzle, when I got to wondering... (laughs) I would look at a piece and I would think, I don't think this piece goes to the puzzle at all. There were a couple of pieces I found where I thought, you know, I think somebody slipped an extra piece into this box. Maybe the company does that. Maybe the company that sells, sells jigsaw puzzles, maybe they do that. Maybe they give you a sample of another puzzle to kind of get you to buy that one also. Uh, there were pieces that just didn't seem to fit, and that was discouraging. It was frustrating. It was very, very frustrating. It's a little like what happens when the assumptions we have about Jesus don't fit the picture that we see in the Bible. Every now and then, we get some assumptions about who we think Jesus is, and we try to make those pieces fit. Sometimes we call a piece like that. We we talk about the health and wealth gospel and, and how Jesus wants us to be in perfect health and have everything that we want and and live this completely blessed life where where we 've got everything we need, and that peace doesn't really fit sometimes that extra piece looks like legalism where we 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 come up with a system of rules, and if you don't keep these rules, you don't really love jesus and that peace doesn't fit sometimes we find a peace that is all grace and, and no accountability where we never have to repent and we never have to change and become someone new. And well, that peace doesn't really fit either. Some people tell us, you know, if you, if you find Jesus, you know, if you, if you just trust Jesus, He'll save your marriage. He'll save your job. Your, your skin will clear up. Your dog will come back home. And when those things, and when that peace falls out. We get discouraged. We get angry. We give up on our faith because Jesus isn't who we thought he would be. But what John's question and Jesus's answer shows us is that Jesus is exactly who you've been looking for. You need to hear the last thing that Jesus says about John the Baptist. In verse 28, Jesus says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he it would be really easy for us to look, like, to look at someone like John and say, yeah, Brett, faith like John the Baptist, that would be great, but, but that's John the Baptist. I mean, he was chosen before he was even born. He was raised by godly parents. He was a man who saw Jesus firsthand, and, and he knew his power and knew his presence. But Jesus reminds us that the very least of these, the very least of us, is greater than John Luke includes that for the people who read his gospel first. Luke includes that point because the people he was writing to needed to hear that. Luke's audience had been through an awful lot. They were persecuted for their beliefs. they key leaders, men of faith and, and the strong men that they relied on, men like Peter and, and Paul. Uh, they had been killed by the, by the Romans. And those who, had, who were left... They were facing troubles. They were facing poverty and sickness. They were very weak and they felt very small and insignificant and powerless and afraid and alone. They needed to hear this. And in Jesus' next statement to them, we hear echoes of, of our own generation. Jesus says in verse 31. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, well, he has a demon. And the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him. A glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, I want to admit to you, this this sounds a little complicated, but walk through this with me. Jesus was comparing his generation with children who are never satisfied no matter what you give them. Does that sound familiar at all? He says, we played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang sad songs for you, but you, you didn't cry. There are always going to be those who have expectations that will not be met. And the question that Luke, or the question that Jesus is asking of his generation, that Luke is asking of his generation, and that we might ask of our own generation is where do those expectations come from? Are they part of who Jesus promised he would be? Or are they some piece of the puzzle that someone else added? But if you're looking a savior. If you're looking for a savior, Jesus is there. If you're needing healing and and restoration and hope, Jesus is there. If you need a prince of peace in a world of chaos, Jesus is there. If, If life feels like it is crumbling around you and you need a firm foundation, Jesus is there. One of the things I love about our church, one of the things that's so vital in being part of a church is I can point to people who are part of our church, who are part of that family. I can point to people who prove the effectiveness of faith. Around here, there are people who have faced cancer. There are people who have faced illnesses. There are people who have faced divorce and depression and disabilities and death, but they faced it with the support of a loving church, a caring family, and an amazing Savior. They've tossed out those puzzle pieces that never really fit, and they've seen Jesus for who he promises to be. And you'll see Jesus for exactly who he promises to be. You'll find that he is exactly who you're looking for. Jesus begins this section by telling John's disciples, go tell John what you've seen and heard. And then he ends this section by speaking to the crowd and saying, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Wisdom is justified by all her children. In other words, wisdom is proven true by what it produces, uh, by what has been birthed through it. Today, we would say something like the proof is in the pudding, right? We would say that the proof that it's pudding, the proof that, it's, that it worked, that the recipe worked, is in what it produced, that it tastes right, that it looks right. What's the final result of faith? If it's panic, if it's worry, if it's fear, then it's not proven to be true. But if it's peace, if it's forgiveness if it's wholeness and hope, then what you've found is valuable. What you've found is real. You've found Jesus. You've found the Savior that you need. I can tell you that in Jesus, I've found wholeness. I've found hope. I've known forgiveness and I've known peace. And I can point to a whole host of people out there who have found the same thing. Sometimes they learned that they had to toss an extra piece out, that piece of their own, their own expectations, their piece of their, of their own desires. And when they did, Jesus proved to them that he fulfilled every requirement to be their Savior. He passed that test, and blessed is the one who finds their hope in him. What I love about this passage is Jesus invites their questions just like he continues to invite your questions. If you have questions, don't be afraid to ask them. Don't be afraid to seek out the truth. Jesus invites us to know him. That's one thing that we see all the way through Luke's gospel. People with questions, people with problems and struggles, Jesus invites them to the table and he engages them. He meets them there. That's one of the reasons why we feel like communion is important because it's an opportunity every time for us to encounter Jesus again, to engage Him, to know His presence, to know who He is, and come to know what He offers. If you've got communion ready at your home, let's take a moment and pray, and then I invite you to take. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray for my friends. I pray for those who who have put their trust in You, I pray for the ones who still have some questions. And I thank you that you have invited them, questions and all, into your presence. That you've invited them into your word, you've invited them into your heart to prove to them exactly who you are. Today, Father, we remember the body broken, we remember the blood shed, we remember the the price that was paid so that we might not only have forgiveness, that we might not only have eternal life, but that we might know you, truly know you. And I pray for those taking today, that you'll meet them in this time, that they will know your presence and know your peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. Go in peace.